Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews. We did it, we did it together, and uh, it's just so exciting for me to just be a part of this with them, with all the 11 other players. It's truly an experience that I will cherish forever. Taking you beyond the ropes. Whatever you think is possible for you, or, or even what's not possible, you know, beyond your wildest dreams, go for it. You know, just go for it and think big and believe in yourself and don't let anyone tell you that you can't do anything. Unforgettable stories. He's hit some putts with it, so he gets his phone out and he just takes a picture of the grip and down the putter and doesn't say anything and he just pings it to Tiger. And of course, Tiger pinged him right back like, what in the hell are you doing with my putter? Do not touch that putter. <laughs> a bridge to the past. Years and years from now, Mr. Palmer, what do you want the legacy of Arnold Palmer to be? Well, uh, I suppose it's just that I have made a contribution to the game to help make it a little better. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. What is going on, folks? Welcome to the Fairways of Life show on this Thursday. Super pumped up about the, today, this week in golf, because the Genesis Invitation will get underway today. We already have scores coming in and sound coming in from the ISPS Hand of Women's Australian Open, which I'm going to get to in just a second. Meeting with the media yesterday, Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas. Uh, 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 we're going to get into those as well. Also, Brooks Kepka spoke with Todd Lewis from Golf Channel. So, too, did Dustin Johnson and John Rahm. We've got an absolute ton to cover. Also, first of all, let me get into this. ISPSN, you can tell I'm all excited about it. Hand at Women's Australian Open. Jody Ewart Shadoff leads the way. Seven under par, 66 during what was the overnight hours for most of you listening to us throughout uh, the United States, throughout North America. Jody Ewart Shadoff afterwards spoke to the LPGA about just how good a start it was. It was uh, nice to start and with really good conditions. Obviously, it got a little breezy at the end, but um, I played really solid, hit the ball good, and, um, you know, a few put straps, so that was nice. Seven birdies, no bogeys, and no streaks at any stage? No, I mean, it was, again, really solid. Um, really happy to make seven birdies. You know, I'm, I'm donating to Royal, the Adelaide Koala Rescue this week for birdies, so that's, you know, it's nice to make a ton of birdies today, and, um, yeah. Not that it's about money, it's about that gesture. What are you doing for it? Um, I'm donating $100 per birdie, so it was a good day. You made a lot of koalas. And my uh, sponsor at Radar Tires is also matching, so really good day. You made a lot of koalas happy. Yes, hope so. <laughs> you're, in a good, you're in a familiar spot here. Um, you know, you've played well at the Australian Open before. How do you take the next step? I really love the golf courses here. Um, you know, I played well last year. I played well here when it was here a couple of years ago too, so I think just go out there tomorrow and try and do the same thing. Without being disrespectful, you need to have a breakthrough win here at some stage. Would that be a fair comment? Yeah, I think, you know, I think I feel ready now. Um, I feel like every part of my game is um, up to the challenge. And, you know, it's gonna, hopefully going to be a good year and hopefully get that win. All right, so the leader, Jody Ewart-Shadoff at 7 under par after 66. She has a one-shot lead over two players. Jean-Jun Lee, 6 at 6 under par. NB Park at 6 under par. Both of those ladies had a score of 67. From there into a tie for Forrest. How about this? Um, Marina Alex and Amy Olsen are amongst those at 5 under love par. It. How cool is that? Absolutely love it. And I love our, that we uh, get that we get that we've gotten to know them over the last three years, and now they just live at the top of the leaderboard. I love it. 
Yeah. Uh, Jillian Hollis also on five under par. She, too, from the United States. Tied for seventh. Scores at four under par. Holmquist is there. Yan is there. Sangstrom is there. Uh, Na Young Choi also at four under par. Amongst the grouping, and it's a very large group, at four under par is one Nelly Corda. And Nelly Corda, this is courtesy of the LPJ, was asked following how happy she was with the round that just was. Yeah, pretty good. I had a solid day out there. Um, I drove the ball really well. Kind of didn't take advantage of all my opportunities, but, you know, it's just the first day, so hopefully I can just build from here on. Did your eyes light up a couple under in the first couple of holes? Did you think what might be here? <laughs> yeah, it was nice burning the first two holes. Um, but uh, I made a couple of mistakes after that and kind of got my head back into it on the, um, leading from there. Is it hard to hit the ground running at the start of your season? Uh, kind of. I mean, I've had equipment change, and I have pretty much all new irons and a new putter in, so <laughs> I'm just trying to get used to everything. Did it all feel pretty smooth by the end of the round? Yeah, I, I was happy with it. My caddy and I, Jason, we were both happy with it today. All right, so I, I want to go through some more notables on this leaderboard. That was Kel, uh, Nelly Corda you were just listening to at four under par. Four under par puts her three shots behind the lead of Jody Ewart Shadoff. All right, so BenHoganGolf.com, if you get a chance to log on there today when you're just hanging out, maybe you have a moment, a, a break, or stepping away from work just to let yourself dream a little bit, and you can dream about golf equipment that fits any aspect of your game and really any level of player, whether you are, say, above a 10 handicap or whether you are scratch or better. Ben Hogan Golf has the best, most accurate, and most unique and new equipment available anywhere for the price that you can get it to boot. What that means is they're not going through retail stores. You're going to save 40%, 50% retail markup. You're going to deal directly with them, and they're not asking you to order just from a picture online. Like, do you like this pair of shoes? What's your size? They're going to send it to you and say, walk a mile in them first. Make sure they work for you. How cool is that? BenHoganGolf.com for more. All right, more of this leaderboard from Australia in the LPGA. Kim Kaufman amongst those at four under par. Brittany Altamari is three under par. That represents a grouping at tied for 19th. Stacey Lewis is in that group, three under, tied for 19th. So, too, is... Minji Lee, Christina Kim, all three under, all in the top 20, all tied for 19th. Allie McDonald, three under, tied for 19th. Lizette Salas, three under, tied for 19th as well. Tied for 35th, our scores two under par. Beatrice Ricari is in that grouping. Dom, who else did you tell me was two under? Uh, Elizabeth Sokol. She's one of our new Beyond the Ropes uh, participants. We haven't had the, I mean, it's, it's beginning of February and, a lot of these ladies are over in Australia uh, and, you know, overseas the last two weeks or so. So it's always hard to line up that first interview. But, Matt, with our luck, we've been getting so good with this that these, these girls, before they're going to start winning before we even get to do the first interview. <laughs> I hope you're right. All right, tie for 35th as well. Anna Nordquist is two under par. So, too, is Jane Park. Two under represents five shots back of Hubert Shadoff's lead 
right now. So that's a look at what's going on in the overnight hours. Again, for most of you listening to us, I, I would assume primarily on the East Coast of the United States in our live window. And welcome to all of you listening to us from all over the globe, especially the 24-7 on demand, which is still amazing with the numbers for the show that are coming from that because it's free and it's available everywhere. So the, the, the recipe is working. The ISPS Handa Women's Australian Open coverage of the same. We have it for you tonight. On Golf Channel at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, okay? Tomorrow, Friday, just to, to go ahead and give it to you. It also starts at 9, but that's the Golf Channel digital stream. And then at 10 p.m. it comes on the main network. All these times are Eastern. And, then, and it's back at 9 p.m. again on Saturday as well. So that's a, a look at that as well. Now, as I mentioned to you, we have tons of content coming in from Riviera. This is a big event this event means a lot. It's an invitational now. It's a limited field. We're getting to see the best players in the world up against each other. It's kind of our first. It's almost like I don't want to take it away from it and call it like a, a mini major because it stands on its own in terms of what it is and the importance of it therein. It's got a three-year exemption that goes with it and all the rest. But this is our first chance in 2020 to see the top of the heap, the top of the vine. Nine of the top ten in the world, just as an example, all in the field competing against each other. Will there be Russ, the Brookses, and so Yeah, of course there will be some of that, but who knows? Brooks has had a, a couple of go-throughs. Fascinating interview with Todd Lewis. Wait until you hear. This is courtesy of Golf Channel, but amongst the subjects that they cover was the injuries to his patella and how bad was it. And Brooks was like, ah, a lot worse than what we told anybody. I was like, whoa. It, it, Dom, did you hear it? Did you hear him say that the, the kneecap went sideways? A lot I, of people right now to, just went, Ugh. I don't remember what you did, but you did something on, I think it was on Golf Central, where you had like a, an image of a knee x-ray and you yeah, were talking and, about yes. stuff. We need to do something like we that. Showed the, because, we showed the patella tendons is what we did. Because he said something like the kneecap was loose and going like sliding sideways into like a fat pad. I don't know what that is or even what that means, but it sounds like not golfable situation when you like when no. he talks about it. It sounds not good. No, it didn't sound good. All right, so again, this is courtesy of Golf Channel. Here's Brooks Capco with Todd. Uh, for me, it was getting there. I think when you have the opportunity to get to number one in the world, that was all. That was the only thing that I cared about. That was the only thing I was focusing on and forgot about the task of just going out and play golf. Um, if you play good golf, you'll get to number one in the world. You know, maintaining it is hard. It's never going to be done where guys are going to have, you know, two years on top of the world. It's just mm. the way there's too many good players right now where it's not going to, it's unrealistic. That being said, if that's what you thought about, now that you don't have it anymore, what is your attitude heading into this tournament? Just play good golf. And if you play good golf, you're, you're eventually going to figure it out and probably get to number one. If I play like I should, if Rory plays like he should, he'll maintain it for a bit. John goes out and does what he's supposed to do. He's going to have it. So it's one of those things where you, you just go out and you go play good golf and see where it puts you. Um, you know, you look at the U.S. Open last year. I played great. Gary won it. Um, sometimes you just get flat out beat and uh, nothing you can do. It's interesting because you... Well, you you like to find edges or motivations, and number one right now is not a big motivation for you. Uh, just playing good golf. Okay. It, it's not it's not the focus. Uh, the focus is just playing good golf. If I can play good golf, I'll, I'll become number one in the world. Um, I think everybody behind me is saying the same thing, and they should. That's that's the expectations they should have and, and set for themselves. 
you battled back from injuries before. How difficult was it to recover from this knee injury? Uh, it was a lot worse than we let on. People know. You know, it was basically had a tear in, in the top of the patella and the, in the bottom of it, and, and the kneecaps moved and turned sideways and was going into the fat pad, which was um, a lot of pain. I mean, I'm nowhere near 100%. Mm. Um, I don't know if my knee will ever be 100%. Um, it's one of those things where I'm just trying every day. Uh, to be honest with you, Monday was probably the most pain I've had since I tore it. Um, it was one of those things where you just have good days, you have bad days, um, and you just got to really watch it. it. Now it feels stable, though. I don't feel like my knee, when I'm walking, it's going to go out to the left or um, go inside on me. It, it feels stable, just strengthening things. and. Um, but, yeah, there's still pain there. Yeah, and it's interesting when athletes come back, regardless of the injury, there is that trust factor they have with that body part. Where are you in that trust process? I mean, I trust it. I know it's not going to give out on me. It's not going to do anything. It's strong enough now. But it's just, you know, swinging, it doesn't hurt. That's never been the issue. It's it's the walking, you know, walking downhill, walking uphill. Those are the things where it just doesn't feel stable. You know, I've been down to mark the ball. I still, It still doesn't feel right. Um, you can probably see it when I bend down. And then getting up, there's a little bit of extra, extra push in the putter in the, in the right side. So it's it's getting better. It feels better and better. But at the same time, there's, there's still a long way to go. Against such a great field here, how big is this a measuring stick of where your body and your game is this week? I mean, the whole goal was when I came back to be clicking on all cylinders when I came here. Uh, that was that was my goal setting out. And, you know, I've, I've played two weeks of tournament golf, which is nice. Kind of missed the competition, missed, missed playing. You know, there's no competition when you're on the sidelines. You're just battling yourself, trying to get stronger. But it's nice to finally get the blood pumping again. Um, and, you know, this is obviously a really good field. So, you know, it'll be a little bit of a measuring stick to figure out where I'm at and, and see what, uh, what adjustments I need to make. How about all of that? I love Todd Lewis's interview. I, I, I think he's so good at it. He asks these simple questions and gets these really deep and at times complicated answers. How about the complicated answers that Brooks Kepka just gave him? My knee is nowhere near 100%. Let that settle for a second. What happened to him not... I mean, don't you remember a year, two years ago when there was never any excuses and he didn't talk about his injuries and it was like, I'm not even injured and I don't care... And now all of a sudden he's opening up and he's just like, yeah, I'm like totally at like 5%. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you notice, it's a similar pattern because Tiger's always been the same way as well. They're like, how you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And the next Tuesday he, you know, has his spine removed clean and put back in. And, and then all of a sudden you have to have a press conference. It's like, well, Tiger, how do you expect to play? And he answers it kind of like, well, what are you talking about? I just had my spine removed. What do you expect from me? And it's like, well, we didn't even know. You didn't. You never told us, you know. So, from that standpoint, I guess it's easier for the athlete to just go, you know, what this is something we're going to deal with first, and after we deal with it, then we're going to tell the world about it. But that's part of the reason why I'm so amazed at the interview you just heard because it gave us a glimpse into Brooks Kepka, and I did not, Dom, get the impression that he's making excuses. He's just saying this is where I'm at right now. And I, I found it incredibly refreshing and incredibly revealing. And yes, because Dom was was screaming in my headset the whole time, like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, there is some areas of incredible concern as well. Well, I just Brooks, get worried he's going to end up like Jason Day based on this trend. I mean, Jason Day is obviously freakishly talented and no one can dispute 
that if his back is healthy and he's feeling good and all the other nine things that he's got wrong with him, if they're all feeling good and everything's flying in formation, he, he can win any tournament, any major, anything. But he just can't do it with consistency because of his injuries. And I think, you know, as recently as whatever, 10 months ago, we thought Brooks could be someone who could do it with consistency. But if he's taking this nosedive with these knee injuries and stuff, and he's saying he, for, he, he foregoed surgery so that he could just try and work through it, and here he is saying to Todd, well, you know, I'm pretty messed up. It's like, well, maybe he's pretty messed up now all the time, and he's going to fall into the Jason Day category where if he's not feeling good that week, he's got no shot. That's a scary yeah. thought. Cause that's, you got you know, to find that clip of Jason Day going through his injuries from a couple years ago that we laugh when we play. When he was in a press conference, he was like, yeah, you know, the wrist isn't very good. But then he goes through all this list of a zillion different things. The one observation I have relative to what you're just saying, Dom, is how many times have we heard somebody that has a significant injury that tries to nurse the injury back through time and whatever, therapy, and they end up having to get the surgery eventually anyway because the injury is just too severe. These these little strings of tendons that are supposed to connect are torn. And can they repair themselves? Sometimes, sometimes they don't. Frenchlick.com, when you get a chance to check it out, you'll see why it's the ultimate experience for golf at the Pete Dye course at Frenchlick. It's been voted number one course in Indiana and golf week's best you can play for 10 years in a row. The Donna Ross course at Frenchlick has been named Indiana's number two course in the golf week's best you can play rankings every year since 2011. Frenchlick is a family-friendly business, ready and a perfect planned or impromptu getaway location. Come experience old world opulence amid Modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. And it's all close to home. Head to FrenchLick.com for more. Now, his buddy, DJ, also spoke to Todd. And for DJ, the interview didn't have the same kind of heavy weight, although he had need surgery over the offseason as well. He mentions that. And Todd starts by asking just how comfortable DJ is at Riviera. I'm very comfortable. I, I like the golf course. I think it sets up well for me. I mean, it's a tough golf course. It's... You know, greens are small and undulated, but you know you gotta you gotta control your golf ball around here, and it's just some it's a golf course. So from the first time I ever played it, I really liked it and enjoyed it, and yeah, I've had a lot of success here. You had a tough Sunday at Pebble. Is that something you forget about, or is that something you learn from? Yeah, I mean it was it's a lot of things. I actually I played better Sunday than I did on Saturday, but Saturday I just scored a lot better. I just hit. I mean, I hit some really good shots that ended up in some really bad spots and, you know, it cost me a lot of strokes. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't play near as badly as my score. But so, yeah, it was just one of those days. It's, uh, yeah, it's already forgotten. Other than you asking me about it. <laughs> I won't ask about it again. Um, we always want to improve in golf. That being said, what are you most comfortable with about your game and, and some things you'd like to improve this week? Well, I mean, you can always make more putts. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, short game and putting can always get better. But I feel like I'm striking it pretty well. Like I said, I hit, you know, I hit a lot of really good shots that I thought were really good that ended up not so good. So I feel like I'm swinging it really well. I definitely could drive it a little bit better, but I work, you know, I've been working on the driver. I actually switched to the Sim instead of the Sim Max I was playing. Finally, DJ, you've won so frequently on the PGA Tour, but it's been just about a year since you've won, that being in Mexico last year. Are you, you itching for a victory right now? 
Yeah, I'm always itching for a victory. Whether if I've won, you know, it's almost been a year or feels last week, I still want to win. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it'll come. Yeah, obviously, I had knee surgery in the off season, and, you know, we're just coming off of that. So, you know, all in all, the body's in good good health, and, you know, I'm looking forward to, to the game getting back to being a little better. DJ speaking with Todd Lewis. That's courtesy of Golf Channel. We have more on the Fairways of Life show coming up today, including these press conferences. Rory in particular, I thought, was absolutely fascinating and in so many different parts. But part of the more as well will be John Rahm, who Todd Lewis also caught up with. And I, I want I to get to that sound here before we go to the break because he was talking to John about, you know, his mindset. Uh, first, I want to mention everybody that Bridgestone has reinvented the golf ball. More power, more control, more feel, more spin, featuring the all-new reactive urethane cover. Until now, you had to choose one or the other. Is it going to be distance or spin or the other way around? Well, not anymore. Bridgestone's new revolutionary reactive cover technology is here. It actually will be in stores from the 14th. Log on to BridgestoneGolf.com today to find the right golf ball for your game. All right, so John Rahm with Todd Lewis. Question is this, John. Are you think are you thinking more now at this stage, at this point, playing swing or playing golf? I don't know. I would say certain certain awareness of my swing, and even when things get bad, I can kind of you know keep it in play, right? Like it's just more than when I get to a first tee. It's not about hitting the ball perfect. It's about playing golf. You know, it's about scoring with whatever you got that day. So there's times where I'm not hitting it good, and and I somehow get the round going. You know, you can you can pretend to show up every week and, and hit perfect so uh, just trying to survive those rounds but if we get in technical I would say my driving has been consistently good and then statistically the last this past year uh, I was putting inside five six feet was really really solid so you combine those both you know you're going to make a lot of putts for par and with you know driving it good uh, you're going to give yourself chances so I think that uh, those were the two keys to to make myself consistent there are scenarios that you could be number one in the world here I haven't heard that <laughs> how important is that for you in your career it's important. I mean, it's it's a lifelong goal, right? But it's not only about getting there. It'll be about maintaining it, right? Uh, kind of like Tiger's done for a very long time. DJ was able to do it for a very long time. Norman, you know, Seve. There's been people that have been able to maintain it for a long time, and I think that's more the more impressive part. Uh, at the same time, though, it's a consequence of good play, right? I mean, it's as simple as that. We're here to win tournaments. We're here to, to play our best week in and week out, and if you do that, you might end up yourself having a chance or getting up there, and uh, that's what I have to focus on. You know, i got to focus on playing good this week and, uh, and try to win a tournament. John Rahm. So last night on Golf Central, they were going through different scenarios for Rahm to become world number one, and one of the scenarios was win the event, perfectly capable of doing that this week, and Rory McIlroy, who's the current world number one as of this week, has to finish outside a tie for second. And then all of a sudden, John Rahm could ascend to world number one for the first time. I, again, I've had this conversation with you guys many times over the years. What do you prefer week to week? What do you prefer in important measures like the number one ranked golfer in the world? Do you like one dominant player? And the vast majority come back and usually say yes. They like a dominant player in a sport. But I love this kind of volatility because it speaks to, uh, yes, it speaks to a parody, which usually is looked upon adversely in the world of sport. I don't look upon it as adverse in the game of golf because that means that pretty much anybody can win in any week. 
And I think that's very cool. All right. So more of the Fairways Life Show coming up after these words when we continue on this Thursday. I will give you the air times of where and how you can catch everything, including featured group coverage, which isn't that far away now. We're just about an hour and 15 minutes, but I'll get specific with you. And as to who that will be I found when we come back. Too. But, yeah, Dom was saying Jason Day's injury report this a couple of years ago, and, and this is, I think, a different Jason Day than we have right now. Granted, one, Jason Day's feeling a little bit better, but I also think that his attitude of not being a victim to these injuries has changed. He's approaching everything with this sense of, like, gratitude right now. I'm just glad to be out here. I've looked over into the abyss, what he called dark times. But in this time, again, this is a couple of years back, he was recounting to the press all the little injuries that he had, and he was pretty detailed. I look back at my injuries. I've had an ankle injury. I've got two two knee injuries. I've got um, a hip injury, a sports hernia, um, a degenerative disc, which is you know in my back that's doing my back in. I've got a thumb injury. I've got um, disc problems in my neck, and I've got vertigo. Uh, that's just some of them. And I've got two wrist injuries as well. <laughs> two wrists. Yeah, but what else? Oh, also, neither of my wrists work. Yeah. yeah, I just get see what I get afraid is that's Brooks two years from now. That's what I, I get afraid is. of. I don't think that's Brooks. I I think I think he would play on a peg leg if he had to. I just don't think that's him. But I also don't think that's Jason Day right now either. No, I think Jason, I mean, I think Day, Jason got Day got physically worn little, out. I think he got yeah. mentally worn out. All the rest that that went now. Now he's kind of revived. He's playing this week at the Genesis Invitational, yeah, which I again I will give you all the ear terms. I th- yep. I think so, I do think he's healthier. Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy coming up with fascinating content from both of those gents as well. Everybody was asked about distance and where do you fall and all that as part of the interviews that are taking place this week because that report just came out last week. More of the Fairways of Life shown this Thursday after these words. If you listen to the wind, you can hear it. That's Ireland calling you home. Home to the greatest Lynx golf courses in the world, defined by soaring dunes, undulating fairways, venerable bunkers, and whimsical green complexes. From Royal Portrush in Northern Ireland, site to the 2019 Open Championship, to Ballyliffin, Lahinch, and Ballybunion, numbering among the Lynx golf masterpieces awaiting your golfing sojourn. Come home to Ireland and enjoy the most incredible golf experience of your life. Get started at Ireland.com. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the all-new Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try the new Tour B, the Tour Ball reinvented. Footjoy, the number one outbrand in golf, ensures that you can make every day playable with performance gear to handle any weather condition. All Footjoy products are designed to provide the best golfing experience regardless of the conditions. Every piece of Footjoy gear goes through years of testing and validation to ensure the ultimate in golf performance. Trust the brand that has been number one forever. Learn how you can make every day playable at footjoy.com slash M-E-D-P. Come to where history meets luxury at the family-friendly French Lick Springs Hotel, where there's something for everyone, from kids' fest to shopping, bowling, golf, and other outdoor activities. Or at the West Baden Springs Hotel, you can wrap yourself in old-world elegance, visit our luxurious spa, indulge in an afternoon tea, a historic tour, and multiple sophisticated dining options. Then, finish your day with a cozy carriage ride before turning in for sweet dreams. Only this isn't a dream. Visit FrenchLick.com to plan your vacation today. 
TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tee times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours, and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles. And they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. Your game deserves the best of technology. Your game deserves being custom fit for the clubs that you play. Your game deserves getting the best technology at the best value. Tour Edge has it all. They build the product in the United States. They back it by a lifetime warranty. Think about that for a second. TourEdge.com to check them out. Why do you think players at the PGA Tour Champions have checked them out of the likes of Scott McCarron and Tom Lehman? Because the technology works. Check out Tour Edge today. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to BoyneGolf.com and take in all the splendor that is a golf experience unlike any other. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show on this Thursday. Psyched for the start of the Genesis Invitational later on today. And it's not even that much later on because... PGA Tour Live will be coming on the air in just a little while, and I'll get to all of that for you with all the details of the same. While, while Dom and I were in the commercial break, we were talking about how the tour for PGA Tour Live for the featured group coverage, they actually put out a vote and said, you guys decide what group you want to cover. Do you remember the three, Dom, who they were? I don't. I'm getting it up on there my phone right well, now. There were three groups. Patrick Reed was in one of them. Justin Rose. I can't remember who they are, but, uh, but I remember... It George is Spieth all right. You ready? In. Here it is. I got it for you now. What? Oh, okay. So uh, the way they the way the tour does it with PGA Tour Live is every week the Friday the second featured group on Friday's coverage is voted for essentially usually yesterday whatever whatever yet what was it Wednesday, and they yeah. give they give you options. So yesterday the PGA Tour's Twitter account tweeted out uh, John Rom, JB Holmes, Justin Rose, pretty good, right? Patrick yeah. Reed, Scott Piercy, Nick Taylor, just one, also pretty good, right? And Max Homa, Jordan Spieth, and Tony Finau. And I but, was, but in fairness, the Nick Taylor group is not going to compete against correct Rom and Rose and, and the defending champion, and then and then you have Jordan's group. I think that's all fair. Yes. So uh, about five thousand people voted for that. And what I was barking in in Matt's ear, we were talking about parity in the break and dominant player versus parity, et cetera, et cetera, and. Everyone agrees Tiger Woods has that undefined it, and, and it just gets eyeballs to a TV. And for three years, I feel like, Matt, I've been barking. I don't, it's, again, it's undefinable, indefinable, whatever, but it, Jordan Spieth seems to have that thing. And he has, he has been playing, for lack of a better term, bad, like bad, for like 18 like, months. Um, last round, uh, maybe everyone's really excited about what he did at Pebble in that last round, 67. Correct. But for again, he has been Obviously playing straight bad for like 18 months, something crazy like right. that. And still, 
70% of those people are asking to watch Jordan Spieth's group. I mean, you could say it's for Tony Finau, but it's not. It's for Jordan Spieth. That's who the eyeballs want to see. And I don't know why he is he he has that that Tiger Woods it status. You can't again, you can't really define how it is that that intangible where it comes from. But he has that. And I what I was saying to Matt right or wrong in the break was I think that golf needs Jordan Spieth to play well because I think it attracts a lot of non-golf, just generic sports fans to turn on the TV on a Sunday to watch golf. I, I don't know why he does, but I think he does. And I don't, Matt, you tell me, I don't think, even the ratings wouldn't show it. I don't think Rory has that pull. He has some pull, but he doesn't have that. I don't know well, Rory's why. Rory's definitely, I mean, there's degrees of it factor. I mean, we all seem to say that Whatever the elusive it is, it, it it seems like it's it's looks, it's style, it's all these things. And Tiger has it; he always has. He's always connected, and he and he brings people to the game. You know the old classic: uh, you're at a family gathering, and and the vast majority of people don't know golf at all, and golf is on, and they go, oh, "Who's leading? How's Tiger doing?" You're like, "What? You're you're my aunt. You never." You don't even know which end of a golf club to hold. And you're like, ask me how Tiger's doing. And so Rory definitely has it factor. Jordan definitely has it factor. Uh, Obviously, DJ has it. All these top guys, a lot of these top guys have it, but it's to various degrees. So if if you pressed me on it and said, do you think that Rory has as much it factor as Jordan Spieth? It's close in my mind. I would probably say Jordan has more of it, at least in the United States. You know, because he's got that kind of all-American look to him, I guess. I don't know how else to explain it. I, so the, the hard part is about this discussion is to try to define what the it factor is. You can't. It's just it, it, it's an intangible thing that can't be described. But you know, you know it when you see it, I think. And it's in every sport. Yeah. Every sport's got a handful of of athletes that just stand out. They're just different. They Something just is different than what everyone else has around them. And you can almost feel it when you're watching. So I was just saying to Matt in the break, I just it's amazing to me that Spieth is still in the conversation. He's still, they still want to see him play, even after his, for lack of a better term, very poor performance for the last year and a half, essentially. All right, so... I still want to hear from some of these players that I think is absolutely fascinating with what they've said this week because we're at a time of year where storylines that will define 2020 are still starting to congeal, and certainly the distance report is part of it. And recounting what just happened in 2019, especially the conclusion of 2019 in President's Cup, etc., all part of the questions that were asked. That's where they started with a lot of the, the questions with Justin Thomas, this whole array, and you're going to hear from him in a second. First, I want everyone to realize that Tour Edge offers the very latest in technology, and they do it at an affordable price for every level of golfer. There are all new EXS line features, state-of-the-art game-enhancing innovations that vastly improve upon the wildly successful and award-winning exotics EXS line that they introduced. Their new EXS driver, superior adjustability, has carbon all over, so you can take that weight and move it where it is best used and utilized by the golfer. Variable face thickness, the, the diamond zones that they have, the 42 of them all over the face, optimal forgiveness and power. Pop wherever you hit it. There's more. The technology runs 
deep, but they're not going to ask you to deep, dig deep into your wallet. Plus, it's made right in the USA, and it has a lifetime warranty. Just log on to touredge.com for more information. Let's get more information from Justin Thomas and find out what he was thinking when he went with the media out at Riviera. It's a good start to the season. It doesn't sometimes doesn't feel like the the fall events feel like the same season, but uh, it is always nice knowing that you have um, you know a cup between Napa and and um, and Korea, and then you know an okay week in, in Japan to have a good start in the in the FedEx Cup year long race. But uh, no, I've been playing well this year. I've been working really hard since I came back, you know, from the month, month and a half or so injury last year and felt like I was training in the right direction. So glad to finally see some good results. And I know how competitive you are. Uh, you come into the week, a uh, couple straight top 10 finishes at this event, but I know last year stung a little bit. First time in your career, you'd failed to carry a 54 hole lead on to victory. What did you learn from that? And what do you hope to uh, redeem this week? Yeah, it was a freaky day. I mean, I, you know, it's easy to, to make excuses or look at this or that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, JB beat me. He played really, really well on a very, very difficult day. Um, you know, it was just one of those weird days where I couldn't get anything going. And, unfortunately, I uh, wasn't hitting it very well on my Saturday round. To, and because we had to keep going, I just had to keep trying to find something. And it's tough to do uh, when it's blowing 25 or 30 miles an hour. And um, I hung in there for... For what I had that day, it just wasn't quite good enough, but it was a great learning experience. And, um, you know, I feel pretty confident that if I have another lead that um, that I won't do that again. All right. Thank you, sir. We'll start with questions. Let's go to Doug and then we'll go to Ryan. A couple of them related. Would you like to come to this tournament and not be stuck with Tiger the first two rounds? I don't care. It's fine. I mean, I, I'm I'm fine with it. I've had some good rounds with him. I'm, I'm very, very comfortable around him. Um, you know, I think maybe playing with him at a you know at a, at a masters or phoenix or something else would be a little different it's uh that would be a little more chaotic than uh, than here would you i tend to recall you talking about this once um i'm not trying to put you guys in the same league as, as jack and arnie but they, they used to talk about how they'd get so wrapped up and trying to trying to beat each other mm-hmm. that forget about the tournament can you relate to that based on the bahamas yeah absolutely um since we've talked about this, thank you for telling everybody that. Now, Doug, uh, I'm just kidding, but I did. I, I I think I had an eagle putt on 11 to take the lead or maybe tie the lead, and um, and Tiger was one or two back, and I think I just and we were probably three four holes ahead of the leader. So, um, you know, at, at Bahamas, there's a lot of easy holes out there, especially that that. Um, 10 and 11 and then 12 through 15 really uh are all birdie holes so being where I was I should have been more worried about the field and I wasn't I just was trying to beat Tiger so bad because I felt like if I obviously I had to beat him to win the tournament and um you know and then he kind of stalled and then I kind of stalled with him and then had a bad finish on 18 and I felt like I, I I was really really pissed after that event I felt like I should have won that tournament um handily and uh I didn't because I didn't handle the situation very well, and um, but I learned from it. Yeah, go ahead. I think sometimes there's a feeling out there in general golfing public that guys like you and, and Rick, who have been so comfortable around Tiger and want to see him do well, uh, don't have the moxie to actually go out and beat him, <coughs> where it sounds like that's, that's just the opposite. I wonder mm-hmm. if you could speak to the difference of 
rooting for someone and as his, his place in the game and trying to beat his brains out. Yeah, I mean, the only time I'm physically rooting for someone is when I'm in the clubhouse and I'm done and they're out there playing and have a chance to win. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter how close I am with someone. I want to beat them so bad that they want to quit golf. Uh, I don't care if it's Tiger, if it's Jordan, if it's Ricky, if it's whatever, uh, if it's Jack Nicklaus. I don't, I don't care. I, I'm out here to beat everybody. That's what I'm trying to do. And, um, yeah, so that, that was just a, that was a weird day. But obviously that's not going to happen out here in terms of, of beating someone that bad. But, uh, yeah, the only time I'm really truly pulling for somebody is um, is when I no, no longer have a chance, and, and they do. All right, let's go right down the line. Ryan, Mike, and Jeff. How, how often have you felt like you've totally demoralized your opponent when you step off 18? Um, that's a tricky question. Uh, I mean, not nothing particular. Step, a couple times in junior golf, I remember, I felt like I kind of out-intimidated a couple people. But, I mean, I, I don't think I really intimidate anybody out here. I hope I do. That That's a huge compliment if I do. But um, I just don't know if anybody with my stature could be intimidating no matter how good I am at golf. So uh, that's just how I feel personally. But, I mean, there, there's times where I've felt pretty good about what I've done. But, um Nothing. Nothing comes to mind, really. Along the same lines that, that Doug was talking about, your, your head-to-head record against Tiger is exceptional, especially compared to some of your peers. What do you think it is a, about yourself that allows you to to shine in that arena? I don't know. I mean, it, first off, I would like to just hope that it's because I'm good at golf. You know, not necessarily who I'm with, but it is. It just sometimes when you're in, at least for me, when I'm in a scenario like that. Um, Although Tiger is is you know a good buddy of mine or a good friend of mine, I it's a little different than maybe playing with Ricky, who is also a really good friend of mine. But Ricky and I are probably talking more than Tiger and I am, if that makes sense. So I'm able to maybe stay a little bit more focused. Uh, there's a lot more people. There's a lot more stuff going on where I have to stay a lot more focused in that sense. Um, I don't know. It, it doesn't. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I know that I have had some really, really good rounds of golf with him, and um, you know, hope to have some more. Mike, Jeff, and then Bob. Uh, John mentioned your top tens here. Do you get any satisfaction out of a top ten finish if it's not a victory? For sure. I mean, Phoenix is a perfect example. Uh, I I did not play very well at Phoenix. I mean, I I drove it very average. My iron game, I felt like for me, was poor um and i putted okay um i I chipped it well but i I putted okay and i just kind of i finally found something in a little bit of a groove on sunday and made some birdies to to finish third and um i feel like that to me is i mean obviously i would rather play really well and win but i can get more out of a week like that because i was really close to winning the tournament with i feel like was my c game um and that's that it, that to me can build more confidence sometimes than playing really well because it's harder to learn something from it. Whereas when I don't have it, I, I kind of figure out how to get around a golf course and how to score and how to manage my game better. And when you put together your list of goals going into the season, is, is top tens one of those generally or not? It has been. It, it has and hasn't. It's. Um, I guess it just kind of depends. Right, Jeff and Bob. 
so based on what you were saying earlier, it sounds like because there, there was a little bit of a narrative that after this tournament, uh, you struggled with not holding that lead. We've been a little spoiled by how well you've done with leads. So was was sort of the trajectory of your year more determined by your your wrist, your health, than than, than this tournament last year? Is that fair to say? Uh, you mean just in well, you had kind of a, after this event, mm-hmm. there was kind of a sense that you had uh, losing the lead. It may have damaged your confidence. It sounds like the way you described it, it was just kind of a tough situation with the weather and just didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I I truly do feel that way. It just was I I just didn't have the the. I felt like if I just could have had 20 minutes on the range or 30, I remember I had 17 minutes from when I signed my scorecard to when I teed off and I needed to eat lunch. So I was, my dad was like, you want to go hit balls? And I'm like, I don't physically think I can make it down that hill and back up. So, um, I just remember thinking like, man, I just would love 10 or 15 minutes just to figure something out. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty good at that. at finding something on the course, but when it's that windy, you don't, exactly know what the ball's doing sometimes um but i just i made a couple mistakes i mean if i just would have chipped and chipped it better and putted it a little bit better i would have been fine um but i mean i just i remember i had some nasty lip outs some really slow lip outs had a couple wind gusts um but i mean you know if i i made a great i remember i made a great par on 15 made a great birdie on 16 and had good looks on 17 18 so it was it was good after all that i struggled throughout the first 14 holes of the day that I was able to kind of compose myself and play the last four holes well and one other thing Rory was just in here and he talked about the 10th hole and uh, scoring average is three tenths different if you lay up versus drive it so he's going by that number how much are you looking at those kinds of numbers these days in terms of your assessment of a course and your strategy and attacking it uh, I don't personally I've, I've always laid up on that hole uh, I'll go for it to that front pin but um, I've laid up ever since I've been on tour and I I mean I the way I look at it is if I make I try to make par on the hole uh, and if I happen to make one birdie then I beat the field for the week I would think so it, it's just it's a shot shape or the green shape is good for my wedge my spin that I have on it with the left right spin and uh, I mean I've hit anything from four iron to six iron off the tee just kind of up that left side of the fairway and it's not a very hard wedge shot as long as you can just get your number right so um, that's just how I've always looked at it. I've never really looked at the numbers because my miss with the three wood uh, or sometimes drivers right and right's no good up there. So I'm just trying to make four and maybe sprinkle in a three or two. All right, let's go to Bob. Justin, do you, do you recall last year at the Masters when you finished, obviously you were several groups ahead of Tiger. Was there a point after you signed your card and you composed yourself or maybe back in the locker room when you were able to look up and realize he might win, and did you do you recall what you thought at that point, and and uh, and maybe just your reaction in the aftermath? Obviously, there was that great scene. Your dad mm-hmm. gave him the high five coming down and everything. But I'm just curious if you can recall that s- sequence. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I remember I was inside eating lunch uh, just because of how early we played on Sunday with the timing. I mean, usually you're. You know, if you're playing the last, if you're in the top 15 or so, you know, you're finishing around 5, 6 o'clock. And um, so I was in there eating. I was in the little dining area eating lunch, and I think he was on maybe it just made birdie on 15. And then uh, once he hit his tee shot on 16 and made that putt, it was kind of like, wow, like he he's going to win this thing, thing I think. And uh, then after the – but still just had to kind of wait till see what Brooks was doing. And then after that putt, after he missed that putt and made par, um, at that point it was, it was over. So 
that's when it kind of set in and it was like wow this is uh this is actually happening this is unbelievable all right let's go to phil in the back justin just um picking up on your comment there about the 10th hole here the the golf course here is very special and i think a lot of people mm-hmm. acknowledge that old george thomas design are there many par fours throughout the tournament uh, PGA Tour season where you see yourself in six iron off the tee with your game? No, the only one I could think of is 12 at Sawgrass uh, a couple years ago right when they first redid it. Um, the green was very, very extreme and it, it was just, uh, it was a little too penal and I felt like it wasn't for me, it just didn't make sense to go for it. I remember I laid, I remember I laid up with a 7 iron because I remember I missed the fairway with a 7 iron, but um, because it's not a long hole, but it just wasn't a good number and a good shot shape for me, so I laid up there. But other than that, uh, taking out Australia, uh, no, I haven't hit a hole, or, or the Open, I haven't hit a whole lot of six irons laying up off tees. And, and maybe just to follow up, this golf course, the entire golf course, not just one hole in particular, and your game, what is it about this golf course you think that needs to be executed well to have success? Uh, it's, it's a ball-striking course. I, I think it, that's that's why I've played it well. I mean, it's a strength in my game, but you, you just have to have control of your ball. And even, you know, you're going to have, you know, maybe one day, maybe two or three where you don't have it. And even if you're not hitting it well, you at least need to know what direction it's going or, or at least can hit it in one direction because on this course, if you get on the wrong side of the hole or the wrong side of the green, um, it virtually becomes impossible to get up and down and and just trying to make those four to twelve footers all day on these Poana greens is just it's it's not going to happen um, it, it's very very tough to scramble out here um, the greens get get bumpy all Poana does and uh, just about trying to you know salvage as much as you can all right, let's take a couple more let's go to Mike uh, Tiger was in here yesterday and talking about the president's cup. Uh, he said, uh, and I'm quoting here. He carried, carried an ass, yeah. <laughs> Just wonder if you had a response. No, I mean, he he played, he did. He played way better than I did, but I told him last night, I was like, all I know is if I didn't make a putt, you would have uh, another, you'd have a one next to your half column, so you're welcome for that. But that's that's what he does. That's, that's why we're friends, is we can joke with each other like that. But uh, he did. He carried my ass. Okay. JT addressing the media yesterday at Riviera. He'll be teeing off at 2.41 p.m. Tiger Woods, Justin Thomas, and Steve Stricker. Featured group coverage today. PGA Tour Live. That's what I'm telling you. It's coming up soon. And I'm not talking about when they come on the air. I'm talking about when these groups tee off and you can actually start to see them play. At 10.16 a.m., Rory McIlroy, Patrick Cantlay, and Dustin Johnson. At 10.27 a.m., Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson, Bubba Watson. I mean, seriously, are you kidding me? At 2.41, as I just mentioned to you, Tiger Woods, Justin Thomas, and Steve Stricker. At 2.52, J.B. Holmes, John Rahm, and Justin Rose. We do know tomorrow, I'm still waiting for the official word that, that's going to be Jordan Spieth's group, Tom, but we do know tomorrow at 10.16 a.m., Tiger Woods, Justin Thomas, Steve Stricker at 2.41 p.m. You can see the morning and afternoon switch. Rory McIlroy, Patrick Cantlay, and Dustin Johnson. And then at 2.52, Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson, and Bubba Watson. So you are covered with great golf just in those groups alone. When we come back, a fascinating give and take between the media and Rory McIlroy. Amongst the subjects that he talks about is distance. This is what I was t- telling you about before. And he talked about the challenge of distance for the rest and then 
the benefit of distance for the best. Flat out saying, if they want to restrict us, I'm all for it. That's paraphrasing. But I think you're going to find it fascinating. We don't edit these press conferences. Occasionally for best ofs on here, but if you go onto the Fairways of Life platforms, you're going to be able to hear them in their entirety. You just heard JT in its entirety. You're going to hear Rory in its entirety because those two are that good that warrant the same. But we let you hear the players. We're not going to interrupt them. It's it's not going to be something that we're going to try to commercialize by uh, making it short little bites and then we talk and do a read. I, I don't understand that philosophy. That's why when we had our own medium here, we do it the way we want to. Ireland.com is where you guys can log on to and see the wonders of a place that is truly magical. It's not only about the heritage. It's not only about the history. It's not only about the warmth of the Irish people that will definitely make you feel like you're not away from home, that you just came back to it. But it's about the greatest Lynx golf courses in the world. Check them out. Take the time to do it. I know it's on your bucket list, and rightfully so. Ireland.com. When we come back, we're going to be hearing from an Irishman, Rory McElroy. It's time for you to discover Stream Song, a new kind of resort that takes the everyday ordinary to the absolutely extraordinary. Three internationally acclaimed link style courses by golf architecture's iconic foursome of Gil Hans, Tom Dope, Bill Core, and Ben Crenshaw that provide a golf experience distinguished as unlike any you've ever had before, with undulating fairways navigating through wild grasses and deep water ponds and lakes, towering sand dunes to find the unexpected experience of playing golf at Streamsong, the ultimate legendary golf destination set apart by the unexpected. Streamsongresort.com. FootJoy, the number one outer brand in golf, ensures that you can make every day playable with rain jackets for all weather conditions. New to the FJ Performance Outwear lineup this year is the all-new DryJoy Select LS, the lightest, most waterproof garment FJ has ever produced, setting the new standard in rainwear. Amazingly, it's actually lighter than a golf shirt, but still fully waterproof. You can shop now at FootJoy.com slash M-E-D-P. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. BenHoganGolf.com is where you can go to see the beautiful product that's being produced right now, bearing the name of the legend. You know, when he founded the original company in 1953, Ben Hogan said he did it, quote, to design and manufacture the best golf clubs in the world, end quote, and that is exactly what their mantra is today, only it's going directly to you, not through retail stores, so they're saving that 40%, 50% retail markup. You can get the best, and you can get it directly from their master craftsmen. Log on to BenHoganGolf.com now. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. Hey, my new book is called The Golf Round I'll Never Forget. 50 of golf's biggest stars recall their finest moments. Moments like this. The 1973 U.S. Open. Here's Johnny Miller. He got a letter also on Saturday morning and said, you're going to win the U.S. Open. So some guy in Iowa is 
I never got a, a letter that that's all it was. They didn't sign it, nothing. It was just from Iowa, you're going to win the U.S. Open. So it was sort of an interesting experience that led up to that uh, winning that Open. Uh, and, and the round itself was sort of out of nowhere because it just was a, a perfect round of golf. I mean, it literally was a perfect round of golf. The book is called The Golf Round I'll Never Forget. 50 of golf's biggest stars recall their finest moments. I hope you enjoy it. You can pick it up wherever fine books are sold, including barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show on this Thursday. Today is the day. Play is going to be getting underway of the, the Genesis Invitation. I just already told you guys the airtimes for PGA Tour Live. Well, network coverage, we have it for you at 2 p.m. Eastern time today and tomorrow on Golf Channel. It'll be split between golf and CBS on the weekend, 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. respectively. All these times are Eastern times. The Chubb Classic and the PGA Tour champions will start Friday, tomorrow at noon Eastern time, Saturday and Sunday at 3 p.m. on golf. The ISPS Handa Women's Australian Open will be on the air again tonight at 9. I'm going to give you a leaderboard report in just a second. But that's kind of a quick look in terms of what's going on with air times, television-wise. Uh, PGA Tour Radio, what did Carney tell us yesterday, Dom? At noon time today, you can hear that? 12 noon. 12 noon, and you can catch that on... Sirius XM around North America. You can also catch it for free on the PGA Tour app and on PGATour.com, a couple of places there where you can hear the same. So now you have the full spectrum, what you can get, where you can get it, how you can get it, and why you can get it. We want to make sure that you had that. The leaderboard for the LPGA, the ISPS Handa Women's Australian Open, this leaderboard report is brought to you by the Streamsong Resort, streamsongresort.com. For more is led by Jody Ewart Shadoff at seven under par after an opening round of 66. Junjun Lee, six, and Inby Park are both one shot behind at six under par, two shots off the pace, tied for four, three players Marina Alex, Amy Olson, and Julian Hollis, a trio of Americans that are in pursuit. Okay, so Rory addressed the media, and he covered, as Rory does, a whole vast array of subjects, and yes, Rory did it with his customary candor. One of the subjects that he covered was also about distance and, and what was his reaction to the report of the same. I thought it was all fascinating. Here's Rory McIlroy from Riviera. Uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, so I, I played, uh, yeah, I think 18. Yeah, 18. Yes, yeah, in my third year. Um, I mean, what's not to like? I mean, Riviera, you know, L.A., uh, you know, the field, um, you know, the fact that, you know, nine of the top ten players in the world are here uh, on a great golf course. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's got everything you need, you know, to be a, a big event. And I think with Tiger hosting as well and, and taking that on, you know, it obviously it, it elevates it to a, a new level, um, obviously on par with, uh, what Arnold did at Bay Hill and what what Jack's done at Memorial. So um, yeah, really really feels like a big event, and um, you know, looking forward to to getting started tomorrow. It's been since 2015 that you've been number one. Uh, you're the current FedEx Cup champion. You're the current Player of the Year, uh, PGA Tour Player of the Year. Just talk about what it means to you to get back to number one and uh, the challenge to stay there. 
Yeah, I think it's, you know, everyone keeps saying congratulations. I saw that the work's only started. It's, it's staying there is the, is the hard part. Um, but, you know, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a calculation based on how you've played over the last two years. And, you know, I've, I've played well and I've played consistently well. And, you know, the, the, the math Maddox add up that I'm the top of the list right now and um, obviously I have a chance to stay there this week and but you know I, I have always said it's a you know it's a byproduct of doing the right things week in week out playing well shooting good scores trying to win tournaments and if I can continue to do that then you know hopefully that that thing just sort of takes care of itself. Okay, just raise your hand if you have a question. We'll get your microphone. We'll start with Jason in the middle. Rory, staying on the number one uh, world ranking um, headline there, is there, does it feel strange to move to number one in a week that you weren't playing? And secondly, is there as much motivation to stay there now as there was, say, the first time that you got there? Um, no, because I'm sure at some stage in my career I, I took a week off and got back to number one. I don't know if this is the the first time that's ever happened um i you know I, I said out there today i've already had that euphoric moment in 2012 i won the honda classic to get to number one in the world tiger was coming down the stretch i was able to hold him off like that that to me was the really cool moment and at least i've had one of them that's that's nice um you know to me it doesn't matter if i was you know, sitting at home on the couch and got there or whatever it's just sort of it is what it is um so no i've 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 already had that experience and i, and I think as as long as you, you do get that experience especially the first time you get there you know that's that's all you need with taylor and then mark got a question about drivable par fours which probably fit into your category more than some others when you think of drivable par fours in professional golf what holes come to mind and what is your strategy here on 10? Yeah, the first hole I ever played as a professional golfer was a drivable par four. It was the 10th hole at the Belfry back in 2007. Uh, I had six iron off the tee. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I mean, look, it's, this is possibly the best drivable par four in the world here at Riviera, the 10th. It's just so, you know, it's just as easy to make a six as it is to make a three. But all the statistics suggest that if you do go for the the green um you're going to play the whole 0.3 of a shot lower than you would if you lay up so you know all the statistics suggest that it's a it's a a hole to go for good mike and then over to mark rory uh in addition to the wins last year you, you led the tour with 14 top tens tiger's about to get his 200th at some point I'm just curious when you leave a tournament and you haven't won but you've top 10 do you get any satisfaction out of that? I think you have to look for positives every time you leave a tournament, whether it's a top ten or a win or a even a miscut. You gotta, you know, you have to be an eternal optimist in this game. And I'm I'm very proud of my top ten ratio. I'm sort of right around the fifty percent number on the PGA tour. Um, I'm probably a little higher than that of professional tournaments that I've played, but uh, I mean, I think it just speaks to consistency and being up there week in week out and you know if you can go through the bulk of the year and you know only a handful of guys are beating you most weeks you know if that's your sort of average week then you're you're doing the right things you know I always feel 
in golf and and winning there's there's quite a randomness to it you know some weeks you get the right bounces some weeks you don't but at the end of the year it all sort of evens out you know if you've played consistently good you're going to have your chances the door is going to open for you you're going to make stuff happen guys are going to give you some stuff it's just it's you know it's sort of the ways of professional golf i guess so um but yeah i it's a you know my top 10 rate is something i'm proud of and something that i i want to keep going yeah do you recall a memorable top 10 that was a, not a win? That was not a win? Um, yeah, there's there, there's always a few. It's, um, you know, especially when you don't have your best stuff and you just hang in there and, you know, you you get the best out of what you have that week. Tory Pines last year is a prime example of somewhere where I, I finished fifth in that tournament last year in 2019 and I could not have got one last ounce out of my you know more out of my game um so you walk away from tournaments like that feeling like it's a mini victory in a way you can you know hold your head high and be like i got everything i, I could out of of what i had this week good mark and then jay Rory, you, you and brooks have had some kind of kind of fun back and forth a little bit uh you know with the number one thing and whatnot of the majors i just wonder have what, we yeah it seems so. feels like it's been a one way well it's been one way <laughs> so um, I, that's kind of where I was going. What was your, what's your impression of kind of the run he, you know, that run he he was on with the majors and whatnot? And is there any little added satisfaction to overtaking him, however scant the lead is, just because no, of some of the not team? really. I mean, Brooks has been phenomenal the last few years. Um, you know, even starting before he won the U.S. Open at Iron Hills, you know, he won in Phoenix. You know, he was doing well and um, he's doing well on the European Tour. And then he just went on a on a fantastic run. Obviously, winning four majors in three years. Um, so no, it doesn't. I mean, again, I I keep saying golf isn't about the other person. Golf is about yourself, and golf is about getting the best out of what you have. And if you keep doing that and you keep that mindset, everything else will fall into place. Yeah, but that's 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 not my. That's not my area to comment on. That's you know that's that's his prerogative. I'm gonna Jeff then Mike. Uh, well, on a lighter note, you we've learned recently that you are uh, uh, quite a movie buff and seeing some locations of films filmed here in Los Angeles. Have you uh, done any of that this week? And uh, have you watched any of the films actually filmed at at Riviera on uh, on the grounds here? Uh, no, and. I don't think so. I, I so no. I, we got in Monday night, and then uh, the last couple of days have just been at the course and um, and sort of yeah, getting ready to to play the event. Um, I don't know what movies have been shot here. So, Follow the Sun, the Ben Hogan story is okay. a famous one. Yeah, old. Okay, black yeah. and white. Yeah, yeah. More. What, what is right. it? What, not, yeah. What do you exactly? What? Uh, what uh, do you watch a lot of movies besides reading books? Is that something you do to just kind of get your mind off of golf? Is that? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I watched a good bit of the Oscars on Sunday night and um, was pretty intrigued to see what was you know how that was going to you know unfold. Um, I really liked Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last year. I, I enjoyed that movie. I thought it was. I've, I love Tarantino movies. So. Um, you know, I always enjoy those, but yeah, I mean, any honestly, anything to get my mind off this is is a good thing. Good, Mike, and then Rich. Rory, where do you, where do you see the discussion in uh, after the the uh, distance insight survey evolving, and where would you like to see it end up? Um, 
How long have you got? Yeah. Uh, it's it's. Uh, I have lots of time. <laughs> you know, I think the biggest thing that came out of the the report for me, you know, a lot of the stuff about the ball going too far and and you know technology and it it really pertains to. 0.1% of golfers out there. Um, so, like, if 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 they want to try to contain what we do as as touring professionals, I'm all for that. Um, I, you know, selfishly, I, I think that that's only a good thing for the better players. Um, but for the for the game in general, I think one of the good one of the best things that came out of it was the sustainability aspect and the fact that you know. If, Architects building these golf courses, and and you know, not even architects to a degree, but also the the people that are giving the architects the money to the money to buy to, to build these golf courses, and and with this grand ambition of maybe having a tour event one day, you know, building these these golf courses on these massive pieces of land, having to use so much water, so much fertilizer, pesticides, you know, all the stuff that we really shouldn't be doing nowadays, especially in in the in the climate that we live in and and everything that's happening to our world you look at what's happening in australia you look what happens in this state every you know august september october time you know with fires and global warming and so you know i think golf has a a responsibility to um minimize its footprint as much as it possibly can um so for me i think the sustainability aspect of what they're trying to do is 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 very important um and that's the one thing i would definitely stand behind Rory, on the subject of the books, digital minimalism, do you see, as, as the author contends, that an attachment to, to this could be a performance issue, a hindrance? And if so, tell me why and then what you've done to kind of back off. Yeah, so, I mean, he gets into it in uh, digital minimalism about the, uh, pre, the prefrontal cortex and what staring at screens and... Um, you know, being you know, just information overload, basically. Um, how that can be uh, detrimental to your cognition and your concentration and the ability. I mean, there's. I, I think there, there's no doubt that the fact now that so many kids have ADD or all of these different attention disorders is because of the screens that they're looking at from such a young age um so yeah there is a huge you know i would love to see people get away from it somewhat i i try my best you know it's you know we live in a world where we can't you know we can't get away from it we do need our phones we do need to you know it you still need to stay connected but um i did i downloaded an app uh, a few weeks ago called freedom which is actually a really good word for what it does where it frees you of, you know, you, it's like a URL content blocker, basically. So if you just want to have a week or a month where you see no news, no social media, no whatever, you can you can block all that content on your phone. Um, and it's just basically like an extra layer of a VPN so that you only see what you need to on your phone, whether it's a text message or a call or an email. Um, and, and that's something that I've, that I've started to try and do just because... And I only read one one news outlet to get my news from. I don't go to so many different outlets because that can, you know, 
it, there's just so much information out there. And will you consciously dial back that information intake before an especially big event, the players, a yeah, major? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I, I try to lock my phone in the bedside drawer for the weeks of majors and just try to get away from it all. And um, we do jigsaw puzzles. I read books. I, I do anything I can to just get away from, from that. Good time for one more. Just right here. Yeah, so speaking of majors... Um, you're number one in the world now and having won player of the year last year. Um, I'm wondering if you're the type to sit down and make goals at the beginning of the year. And if so, um, you know, what can bring you satisfaction now apart from, from the majors? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 my thing with goals is always I, I write down goals all the time. I write, write down goals at the start of the year. I write down goals at the start of weeks, you know, what, what do I want to achieve this week or what do I want to achieve today? You know, what's going to possibly make me better going into tomorrow. And for me, it's all about the, the process and, and the steps. And, you know, I'm, I mentioned it at the start of the, this conference about the 10th hole being 0.3 of a shot easier, basically, if you go for the green. So into setting goals that are based on objectivity. So statistics, strokes, gain stuff, all that. And, just trying to work towards that. Um, I rarely set myself goals of I want to win this and I want to win that and I want to because all of those goals are just a byproduct of doing the little things right. And I'm a big believer in that. If you get the if you get the little things right day after day after day and you practice good habits and those habits become completely ingrained in what you do, the rest is the rest will follow. 